With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, well, uh, we got a lot to get to this hour. We'll get to Israel, the latest from there. We'll get to uh, movies. We'll get to, hey, you know, they're building the tallest building in America. Now, right over there behind me, uh, that's 56, one block over, they call that Billionaire's Row. You've got uh, four or five apartment buildings that are like 100 stories. You have, uh, that one over there is like, uh, it's like 1,400 feet. Uh, These are buildings that are taller than the World Trade Center. Uh, These are the tallest buildings in New York. Then there's uh, the 157th between Broadway and 8th. That's the tallest apartment building in North America, it's about like 1,700 feet. I mean, these are, you can, there's a restaurant on top of it, the 100th floor. These are the tallest buildings in New York, and they're all in a row. So uh, a building is about to go up that will become taller than these buildings. It'll be the single tallest building in America, and it's not in New York. It's going up in Oklahoma, <laughs> in the middle of Oklahoma City. I don't know what the hell it's doing there. If you see the drawings, it just looks bizarre. This hundred-story skyscraper just looks a little strange. You know, one thing about these uh, skyscrapers here, you uh, you could see if you go to the top of the World Trade Center or uh, the one in uh, Hudson Yards, they call that the edge up on top, or the top of uh, uh, Rockefeller Center. What do they call that restaurant now? It's got a different name every time, but... Uh, when you go up there and you look out the window, it's amazing because you're looking over all of Manhattan and you're looking over all of New Jersey and Long Island and Connecticut. And you're seeing like three airports with planes coming and going and you're looking over all this famous landscape and this famous skyline. You go, what a view. Now, if you put this up in the middle of Oklahoma, what are you looking at? There's nothing there. There's a bunch of uh, suburban homes and uh it's not much of a view you can see for a million miles, but you need other buildings to look into. And it's going to look kind of odd. And the, and the reason you have these skyscrapers here is we're so tight on space. If you want to build an enormous building with hundreds of apartments, you got to go up. You can't uh, do it horizontally. We don't have any room. But out in Oklahoma, you got all the room in the world. You can go as horizontal as you want. So it doesn't make much sense. We'll see if it actually happens. And if it does, and it's a huge success, you got to worry because they'll start doing this everywhere. Uh, the reason you move to those kind of places is to get away from all these skyscrapers, but they'll start doing it every place. And uh, I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think you want that. Do you really want that in uh, Southbury, Connecticut? Do you really want that in uh, Concord, New Hampshire? Do you really need that there? Hey, speaking of New Hampshire, have you been watching the Fox News coverage? They take over an entire hotel. And they keep showing the outside. It's, it's It looks like I'm watching The Shining. They're like out in the snow in this this uh, haunted house kind of a place. I'm, I, I, I assume they're all glad to get back here uh, to New York. Uh, and that snow up there makes you feel better about New York. We, we had uh, an inch of snow and went into panic. They got uh, 10 inches there and they don't even blink. 
So, hey, here's the interesting thing about New Hampshire. These statistics are coming out now. Nikki Haley, it was a terrible defeat, double-digit loss. But she's like the new Stacey Abrams. They're making it, you know, the same exact media donors. They embrace Stacey Adams every time she loses. Stacey Abrams. Every time she loses, they give her a parade of victory party. So it turns out not only did uh, Nikki Haley lose, but the votes she did get were mostly Democrats. 70 percent, 7-0, 70% of her votes were not from Republicans. They allow anybody to vote in that primary. If you're a Democrat, you just call yourself an independent and you can vote. And the Democrats launched a big campaign to go vote for Nikki Haley. Now, give Rush Limbaugh credit. He started that years ago with Hillary Clinton. He called it Operation Chaos. So the Democrats did it with tons of money behind it. And 70% of those Nikki Haley votes were not Republicans. So she basically won a Democratic primary up there in New Hampshire. She's going to hobble along. Uh, there's no path to victory. None. Zero. Coming up is uh, South Carolina, her home state, which is like 30, 40 points behind. And everybody in the state has endorsed uh, Donald Trump. So she's got no shot there. So she'll have to drop out before that. Trump, big speech last night. I find in life you can't let people get away with bull****. Okay? You can't. <laughs> you just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy come up i said what's she doing we won now the real problem with trump according to everybody if you they all hate him they go crazy he drives them nuts trump derangement syndrome it's all basically one problem he has no filter they keep saying that he has no filter well why does he have to tweet those things why does he have to talk like that why does he have to say these things well every single politician says exactly the same stuff from joe biden to barack obama to everybody. They all do this, but they all do it in private. They are two different people. When they go out in public, they have a public persona. And then in private, they're all Donald Trump. He's the first politician. I'm trying to think if there's ever been. I don't think so. He's the first politician ever to not put on any filter. He'll walk out on stage, on the microphone, on television, and act exactly like he acts in private. That's the real him. You know, people say, what is he really like? Well, that's the real him, the guy you see. That's him. But uh, when you see Joe Biden up there, you're not seeing the real. The real Joe Biden behind the scenes is famous for cursing and screaming, nasty, yelling. Uh, same thing with Kamala Harris. Uh, this new book comes uh, out. Uh, I think I think it's already out. But uh, all, all of her staffers, she said more staff quit than anybody else in Washington. And it's because behind the scenes, she's yelling and screaming and cursing and threatening and terrorizing and humiliating. She's an awful person. But whenever you see her on stage, she's smiling and cackling and laughing. So it's, it's all an illusion. Trump's the only guy ever to just be himself, to be totally honest, to be the real him. So uh, I, I guess you're not supposed to do it. Now, uh uh, the other thing is, when we talk about lying, here's the biggest lie going on right now. They have finally realized that Trump has an easy path to victory against Biden because of the border. The reason he won so big in 2016 was the border. That was the issue. It was the number one issue by far. The border put him over the top. 
The problem he had in 2020, he couldn't run on the border. It wasn't even an issue anymore. The problem had been contained. So it wasn't there for him. Now, it's 2024. The border is not only back, it's a bigger issue now than 2016. He can run on it again. And Democrats, if you stop and think about this, this has to be the most ludicrous thing that's ever happened in this country with a president, to just open up the border. I mean, they were all bad on the border, Republicans and Democrats. Bush was bad on the border. Uh, Obama, all of them, Reagan, they were all bad on the border. They didn't really close it down. There were always illegals coming in. Well, with Biden, and we've never seen this happen before, he decided to just open it all up. Forget the uh, illegals trickling in. Just open it up. Let 10 million pour in. And they were using the border agents to bring them in. The border agents were basically just processing people coming in instead of keeping them out. So we've never seen this happen before where they flooded the country with illegals. So many illegals. And don't blame Texas for sending them all over the place. Texas can't handle 7 million illegals. They started busing them to Chicago, to New York, and these illegals are creating chaos in every city. You see what happens here in New York. It's even worse in Chicago. In Chicago, the illegals are forming gangs, robbing people left and right. They're becoming criminals. They just arrested a gang of uh, illegals, 40 of them, committing crimes all over Chicago. So it's a huge, huge issue. Democrats are in panic now. They realize it's going to cost them the election in November. And they're trying to fix it, but they're not really trying to fix it. They're pretending that they're tough on the border. They want to crack down on the border. And you'll see Biden in every speech and every uh, interview now, he'll say, I want to fix the border. If only I could get Congress to agree. Congress won't do it. I'm trying to get Congress to allocate the money. Well, this this is all a lie. You don't need anything from Congress or anything money-wise. You just need to put up, you know, for instance, in Texas, they put up a razor wire fence. Texas couldn't wait, so they put up their own razor wire fence, and it worked. It kept the illegals out. Well, the Biden administration just went to court and sued to have Texas take down that razor wire fence. Went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court, I don't know why, they ruled in favor of the Biden administration, and the razor wire fence had to come down, opening it up for more illegals to pour in. So... uh They got uh, that dopey press secretary in the Biden administration, that goofball. But they got this other guy, John Kirby, who's pretty effective on TV. Looks like a serious guy, looks like a competent guy, and he can tell you the biggest lie and put the most serious look on his face and look credible. So they brought him in for this border stuff, and uh, he looked into the camera and said, we want to enforce the uh, border. We want to secure the border. But we can't get the money for more Border Patrol. If only we could get more Border Patrol, we could get the job done. And he looks so serious. Well, then uh, Peter Ducey, the great reporter, (laughs) stands up and says, well, how about that razor wire fence? It was working. Why'd you take it down? Uh, It was interfering with the uh, Border Patrol. Uh, Huh? What? So uh, it was actually doing the job. So then uh, they got into this exchange. Where uh, finally Ducey says, does razor wire work? And the uh, Biden guy said, does razor wire work for what? I don't think so. And that's why we had to, to have it removed. It was interfering. So this is all a big lie. Now, when they keep asking for more Border Patrol, if they could just get the money for 7,000 more Border Patrol agents, this is a big myth lie that they're pushing on you. 
they are using the border patrol to process these immigrants in, not immigrants, illegals. They're using them to process. So the more border patrol, the more illegals they can get in. When they all surge the border, they, the border patrol is being used to process them. The border patrol doesn't want to do this. It's not their jobs. They keep arguing. The border patrol union president said, put back that razor wire. We need it. So the Biden administration is just out and out lying about this, just lying. They're using the Border Patrol agents to bring in illegals. That's not where the problem is. Uh, that razor wire fence was working. Biden administration should not have gone to court to have it torn down. In fact, they should have sent them some money and let them finish the job with that razor wire. Uh, hey, oh, hey, Charles Osgood died. Charles Osgood was one of the great broadcasters. CBS Sunday Morning. And, you know, he also did a radio show every morning, like a five, ten-minute radio commentary. He loved that more than anything. He always said uh, radio was his favorite thing of all. Remember he used to say, see you on the radio? And this Sunday morning on that CBS Morning Show, they'll do a big tribute to Osgood. He was, I, I didn't know him that well, but he was a great, great guy. He was my secret agent for a while. Uh Back in the old WNEW days, he used to listen to me every day. And a couple times, I would be up for a big job somewhere. And one was at a network, and the guy called me, and he said, Charles Osgood came into my office and said, we had better hire you, that you're the best, and uh, and uh, you're the only one. Don't even think twice. And he made this big pitch for me. And then I remember I talked to the guy's secretary. She said, oh, yeah, Charles Osgood came in here pushing for you. Well, I didn't know him. One day I saw him, and I said, hey, thank you for that. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. He didn't. That's a real... Real classy guy who not only would do that, but refused to take any credit for it. He did that a couple of times. He was a, a great, good, would always play the piano. A wonderful guy. Uh, so be watching Sunday morning, CBS. They're going to do a great tribute to him. Uh, let's see, 45 years he was at CBS News. And that's when it really was CBS News. That's when they had, uh, I mean, they were kind of left-wing, these guys. But they were great, great broadcasters. It was... Um, before Charles Osgood, it was Charles Kuralt. They had all these real journalists there. I mean, big-name journalists. Now you look at it. Who's that idiot that does the nightly news? What's her name? Nora O'Donnell. Can you imagine that? You're the anchor of the CBS Evening News for like seven years. And still, when people see you, they go, what's her name? <laughs> You're still not known to anybody. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll take some calls in a minute. 800-321-0710 is the number. Oh, the stupidest, most annoying thing government has ever done around here is this bag ban. You can't get a bag in the supermarket. Nothing stupider. Now, you take your stuff up to the checkout counter. You put down 65 different items. And then as they ring it up, they go, you want a bag? <laughs> well, how am I supposed to carry all this stuff? <laughs> no, I have a special. I have, I'm wearing a magician's coat that has 72 hidden pockets. I'll put everything in there. Of course you need a bag. So they give you a bag, and then they charge you $0.05, cents if you're lucky. Some stores, it's $0.10. Cents. A couple of stores have been as $0.25. Cents. This bag ban, how is it doing? Has it been effective? Well, let's take New Jersey. Since they put in that bag ban in New Jersey, plastic consumption is up 300%. It's up 300%. Why? Because the bags weren't the problem. It has nothing to do with the bags. Why can't you have this plastic bag? What are you doing with it? Well, you're using it in a supermarket. What's in a supermarket? 47 aisles of plastic. Everything in the market is plastic. Everything's in a plastic bottle, a plastic bag. What are you buying? 
Any any liquid you buy is in a plastic bottle. Any cookies, anything. They're in plastic bags. Everything. Even the, the vegetables, even the everything, it's wrapped in plastic. The blueberries come in a plastic container. If you bought something with no container, like apples, what is the first thing you do? You take one of those bags off the roll. So you're, you're buying 42 different plastic things. Why can't you have a plastic bag? It's the dumbest thing in the world. Government at its dumbest. Change this back. Anyway, uh, we'll take some calls in a minute. Check out the webpage. Now watch this. Everything Trump has done, Democrats have done even more. Every major Democrat has said the election was stolen. It turns out the uh, press secretary, Corrine, what's her name, uh, complained last time about the election being stolen. She tweeted about it. Now watch when she gets confronted about it. Watch her lie about it. And then uh, what about January 6th? Well, nobody has done more to call for violence and riots than every Democratic leader. Watch this video montage. It's every major Democratic leader cut together. You'll see them calling for riots, calling for violence. Take a look at it. It's all up on the webpage. Go to 710WOR.com slash Mark. 710WOR.com slash Mark. Hey, let's take some calls. 800-321-0710 is the number. Let's go to Tom in uh, Wisconsin. Tom, how you doing? Hey, Mark. I just want to comment about the Justice Barrett and Roberts duo. The first disaster they did was allowing Pennsylvania to violate their own constitution and not reviewing the ballots and verifying the identity. And the reason they didn't do that is because it would have resulted in Trump being president because it would have then steamrolled into the other seven states that were in question. Now you got Barrett's and Roberts teaming up to stop the, the razor wire from, you know, thwarting the invasion. So if Trump gets elected, and I think he, there's a good chance he will be, he can look forward to Barrett's and Robert or uh, 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 Roberts and... Um, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. They're not very uh, Trump-friendly. You know, people keep saying, well, who's going to win if they still got the same ballot problems and write-ins and uh, uh, that sort of stuff that uh, can screw up an election only screws it up about uh, four or five points. So uh, the thing is, you have to win by at least seven points to defeat the cheating. Uh, even Democrats will tell you that, Democratic uh, operatives. So hopefully you can do it this time. Let's go to Mike in Florida. Mike, how you doing? Good morning, Mark. Yes, Mike. You know, Democrats used to love guys like Harry Truman, plain talking, and he, you know, he condemned it, you know, and he, went after the press when they condemned his daughter's piano playing, and LBJ would talk to the press while he was on the toilet. So th those guys were revered, yet somehow Trump says BS in a speech, and he's the worst person since, you know, of course, Hitler or whoever. Yeah. You know? Well, there were guys like LBJ and uh, Ed Koch a little and uh, Harry Truman who would let, uh, let loose in public, let you see the real them, but only for uh, little periods. They were not totally, I mean, there, Ed Koch was different in private. He would say stuff a lot worse than he would say in public, but not not Trump, not Trump. Let's go to Liz in White Plains. Liz, how you doing? Hi, Mark. Doing well. How are you? I'm good. Good. You know, a couple of years ago, I was in a gross, huge grocery store in Norwalk, Connecticut, and the uh, cashier said to me, you know, next month you're going to have to bring your own bags, no plastic bags. And I said, turn around and look at this huge store. I think about 75% of everything in this store is in plastic. Yeah, you're talking about Stu Leonard's, <laughs> so I think it's right? Pure virtue signaling. You're talking about Stu Leonard's? No, no, not Stu Leonard's. It was a stop and shop, I think. Or... Stop and shop? What are you doing there? Stu Leonard's is right nearby. Right. 
I and, go there too. Yeah, no, it's very good. Norwalk. Uh, hey, also, I think you're getting a Wegmans in Norwalk. You're getting a Wegmans there. That's going to be pretty good. Let's go to Rich in Myrtle Beach. Rich, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Mark. You know, a couple of things I took away from last night. Number one was they did all the polling of Democrats and how they loved Biden on the, or the voters, the Democrats in the Republican primary, how they love what Biden's doing on the uh, economy, what he's doing on the border they like. They didn't like what he was doing to Israel. And then you look at who's his vote, it almost seems like there's a bunch of Jewish draft dodgers that came out of Canada when they got the clearance to come home again and all settled New Hampshire. And the other point was that Fox News kept it a a difference of seven or eight points, even until after 10 o'clock last night, while Newsmax already had it at 11 and 12 points difference, and 4% more votes were kept counted quicker on Newsmax than they were on Fox. It's almost as if Fox is trying to keep it close for as long as yeah, they possibly could. I don't know about that. I don't, um, and I noticed MSNBC uh, was way ahead on the vote count of everybody. They had uh, Trump at uh, 11 points ahead long before uh, anybody. It, some the networks are just more careful. Uh, you know, they wait to confirm and reconfirm all, all the numbers because numbers come pouring in uh, real fast. Let's go to uh, Rich in Queens. Rich, how you doing? Good, Mark. Um, my favorite Democrat violent approach was when Chuck Schumer threatened the Supreme Court. You shall reap the wind. You shall sow the, you know, that was. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's in the uh, montage that's up on the webpage right now schumer actually called for going after uh the two supreme court justices and he said you'll get yours and you're gonna whatever it was a very very menacing threatening speech against these two supreme court justices and sure enough the next night in front of one of their one of them in front of their house was a guy with a rope and a gun and a knife and uh, plastic bags and uh, uh, you know box. I mean, it was a guy heading right into the Supreme Court justice's house. Now, luckily, the police were there guarding it and arrested him. But Schumer never paid the price for that. That was one of the ugliest episodes in uh, Washington history when Schumer did that. Let's go to Anthony and Edison. Anthony, how you doing? Hey, Mark. Great job as usual. Uh, the problem here with this immigration, everything, you know, with this sleepy Joe Obama administration, they don't have the ability to go to the top with the leaders like Donald Trump does. You know, you, you got to find leverage on them. You got to tell them we're going to be sending your people back with bills. You know, we want to see some action here from your country to get these people to stop coming here. And he got Mexico to even put their own troops on the border. And these idiots don't know what to do. They're always a dollar short and a day late. And they had no idea about how to go to the top and make the deals like Donald Trump can do. Yeah, no, he is a good deal maker. And the, the bigger you are, the better he is at making a deal with you. Hey, when we come back, oh, usually we have Ann Coulter on Wednesday. She had to move to uh, tomorrow. She'll be on tomorrow. But Jake Novak, the brilliant uh, Jake Novak, we'll talk to him next. We'll talk about the uh, election. We'll get the latest on Israel. We'll talk about these crazy colleges and a whole lot more. Coming up next on 710WOR. Well, hey, uh, Jake Novak, uh, brilliant on a lot of subjects. Now, you can follow him on, uh, on uh, Twitter. It's Jake, Jake, NY at Twitter, Jake, Jake, NY at Twitter, but also on Substack. He does a lot more on Substack, uh, and he's with us right now. Jake Novak, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much. And wh- what, what is it, Substack? Is it Jake Novak at Substack.com? Yes. Yes. And you'll see, pod- you'll hear podcasts, you'll read articles, you'll, you'll, you'll have fun for the whole family. Yeah. Uh, hey, you've covered a lot of uh, elections. This, uh, w- w- this is a very strange primary season, isn't it? Well, you know, I don't think that people understand how historic this is. You know, 
I've been saying for more than a year that there wouldn't be even one Republican primary where Donald Trump, you know, his number two and, you know, the person coming in second would get even within 10 points. And people need to stop for a second and understand how historic that is. Now, yes, Donald Trump was once the president, but he's not an incumbent president running, you know, for a second term, a consecutive second term. So this is incredibly historic. He originally had a lot of candidates running against him. I know there's really only one now. But even with this crazy crossover rules that they have in New Hampshire with all these independents being able to vote, now, he still won by more than 11 points. And people need to understand, I mean, you know, this is like, there's a lack of humility here. How could you go through the 2016 election, for example, and see massive rallies during the primary season, which we had never seen in America before, and not realize that something big was happening here with this candidate? And it's happening again. And uh, it's just surprising to me. You know, I guess I guess it's a lack of humility. I don't know if it's a lack of historical knowledge. People are not seeing that this is something very unique here. You don't have to love Donald Trump or even vote for him to see that there's a difference here. But you have to see there's a difference here. If you don't see it, then you're not a really good uh, reporter or pundit when it comes to this election. Uh, if Donald Trump wins in November, will the media say to themselves, being activists and propagandists and attacking, it didn't work, so we'll go back to being regular journalists. Will that ever happen? No, not with this crew. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, it's funny. It's, it, you know, I've never considered myself to be a very humble person. I don't think I'm very arrogant either. But, you know, when I realized Donald Trump was going to win the election back in 2016, at the end of May of that year, I wrote the article for CNBC explaining not only that he would win, but why. The headline was these three words. I was wrong because up until May of 2016, I thought it was going to lose. Now, I don't know what it is about my fellow, especially TV journalists or people who work online at the major publications. I don't know what it is about them that they just don't have any humility. I mean, my father taught me at a very young age that if you don't, if you come into your lessons thinking you're the smartest guy in the world, you will learn nothing. And it's really exciting if you're, if you're truly a journalist. It's actually very exciting when you realize, when you say to yourself, wow. I didn't know this before. And I just thought I was wrong. All right. That's what makes supposedly our business exciting. So I have to ask myself, and we all have need to ask ourselves, why are these people in journalism right now? Are they here to lecture us? If that's the case, they're not journalists. They're, you know, they're polemicists or they're, you know, or they're, they're just partisan people. And that's fine. There's, there's a job for them in, that, in, in the world in that way. But they're not interested in finding out anything new. And I just don't see it, Mark. I just don't see, I don't see the humility. I've seen people who who have begrudgingly said things like, well, I got it wrong about expect, you know, getting the election right in 2016. Some people have said that. But by the way, that was very, they were very uh, stubborn about that too. They talk, talk about election denied. You will find plenty of left-wing journalists who've denied the 2016 election results, by the way. But even, so there are some people who at least they admit, okay, they were wrong about 2016. But they don't seem to have any other humility in them at all. And you've got to have that. And I'm not saying I'm the most humble guy in the world, but I certainly was proven wrong in, you know, the first few months of 2016. Yeah. You know, every uh, New Hampshire primary, you watch MSNBC and it's Morning Joe live from New Hampshire, live from the coffee <laughs> shop, live from the diner, uh, anchor desk set up in New Hampshire. Uh, did you notice this year MSNBC didn't even go there? They had reporters there, but none of the anchors were there. Well, you know, now that, <laughs> that by the way, I think is, is telling us something <laughs> that I, again, something I've been saying for about a year as well. Now, look, the news media, the mainstream news media is going to lose a lot of money on this election. I've been saying this for over a year because, you know, this this is probably going to be the last primary where anyone's going to tune in wondering, hey, what are the results are going to be? Right. We all know now yeah. what the results are going to be. It's not really going to be. Much. Now, that's a lot of money off the table. 
for the mainstream news media and also for the, the right-wing news media, too, unless they, they do what I suggest, which is start covering the major issues in the national election right now. Yeah. Now, MSNBC, those, those places know there's no money in this. They need to cut back on it. They can still cover, but they're not going to go full out. But, you know, for the right-wing news media or for people who want to be better journalists right now, I would start focusing on the real issues of this election that are going to be the general election issues and do it now. Not just about – don't just cover the horse races of some of these primaries where you and I already know the, the result. Now they need to start looking at ballot integrity. I, I mean, you know, we all talk about ballot harvesting. Has there ever been a report about where they – warehouse these things that would be a pretty good story right how about talking about you know sending everyone now to the border because that seems to be the number one issue now for everyone i i highly suggest that be the number one issue for the republicans and sure they've covered the border but not as extensively as they should all that kind of stuff maybe yeah. they'll do it maybe they won't but again that takes humility which we've already established they don't have <laughs> yeah. uh jake novak let's turn to israel uh how's the situation look right now the uh uh, the terrorists vowing never to release the hostages. What, what's going to happen next? Well, what I, everyone needs to understand is these phony protesters, which, again, I don't call them protesters. They're attackers who keep saying ceasefire, ceasefire, ceasefire. Well, Hamas, their heroes in Hamas, just reject, rejected the ceasefire offer. So clearly they don't really want a ceasefire. They want, to, they want Israel to stop shooting at them so they can have plenty of time to shoot back at the Israelis. That's not a ceasefire. That's a surrender, and that's what they want. Um, it's... You know, we're getting to the point now where almost one of the last real strongholds of a town called Khan Yunus is starting to completely crumble now. And now, again, this is what we've been saying for the last few weeks, which is that the individual Hamas fighters now are much more spread out. They don't they're a little bit more leaderless. They still have a lot of weapons. And a lot of Israeli soldiers died just two days ago when a building collapsed on them uh, after a Hamas attack on that building. It's not like, you know, we're just it's all over and no one's going to get hurt anymore. There's still a lot of very, very bloody fighting going on. But all that is going on. Those, those troops died the other day because the Biden administration and some of these European countries keep insisting that Israel follow these ridiculous rules of engagement against a terrorist enemy. And this is why they're dying. You know, when they say that Israel is committing a genocide, it's so infuriating because it's the opposite of the truth. My friends, my relatives are literally dying so that they don't commit a genocide. We could save all those Israeli lives with just carpet bomb to Gaza. That would be a genocide or at least something like it. But they're not doing that. In other words, not only are they not committing a genocide, they're sacrificing their own people to make sure that they don't, which is why that accusation, that slur is so hurtful. That's why they say it, because they know it hurts our feelings, because we've already made this ultimate sacrifice. This is going to continue until the Biden administration and the European and the U.N. stop with this nonsense about telling you know, Israel to fight this war with, with arms tied behind its back. It's already doing that. Israel already has more ethics and morality than the U.N. or the Biden folks will ever have. They don't need to be lectured by them. They need to finish this job so that there's less death on both sides. Hey, this uh, calling for a two-state solution, even from the Biden administration, didn't we just try a two-state solution for the last 15 years? No, we've been trying the two-state solution, uh, Mark, for 91 years. <laughs> Since 1933, there have been 11 or 12 opportunities for the Palestinian people to accept some kind of two-state solution. It's not Israel. I know they're trying to make this big news story. Oh, no, Netanyahu doesn't think there should be a two-state solution. It's never been Israel that's been in the way of a two-state solution. The Palestinians have told us for 91 years, actually, I'd say it's 96 years because it started in 28, 1929. They've told us unequivocally that they don't want to have any state or any half a state or anything as, as long as the Jews have one, too. They've told us that. I don't know why we don't listen to them. Do we just, are we just racist? Are we just not, do we not understand you know, Arabic? I don't understand it. They've told us a hundred times, if not more, 
since 1933, they don't want a state unless all the Jews are out. And actually, I don't really think they want to stay. I think they just want all the Jews out. A state would be nice if they get that, too, but they're not really that interested. A two-state solution makes no sense when, one, when the people running supposedly the Palestinian state, where are they? Where are they interested in actually running a state? All, all they do is terrorism. All they do is build tunnels. Do they, do they know how to set up a school? Do they know how to set up a banking system? They're not interested in any of that. So this is a ridiculous thing to even mention. It's like saying, I want to have a magic lamp with a genie. Yes, that would be great. But I don't see one coming, and it's, it's a silly argument. Right now, the only thing we should be talking about is getting rid of the terrorists, getting rid of these, uh, these, these, their weapons. And, and then we'll talk about the future, but there's nothing to talk about until we do that. Yeah. Hey, uh, what about the colleges, the college uh, professors, presidents, crazed students? Uh, are, are we making any progress in that fight? Uh, not a tremendous amount. I'm, I'm not a tremendous amount of, of, of progress. The, there's going to be some kind of rally today at Columbia that's not, that's not looking very good. Uh, you know, listen, the, the, the firing or the forced resignation of Claudine Gay at Harvard did seem to quiet things down for a little while and make some of the people who run some of these universities a little bit more circumspect about what they're doing. But they're, we're, they're in a very, very bad place. And, and there's, no, there's no mystery as to why this is happening. Again, the professors have, can never be fired. Not unlike Claudine Gay and these presidents, they can never be fired. Now, if you can never be fired, the chances of you doing something radical and crazy are pretty good. So we're not changing that. And so we, we can expect some ebbs and flows in this kind of thing. And until we get rid of faculty tenure, until we stop uh, promoting the, the so-called scholarship of people who are promoting hate and division, uh, we're not going to get anywhere. In fact, just the other day, the University of Wisconsin Law School, and this has nothing to do with Israel anti-Semitism, but I think it's part of the same problem, had a whole seminar for their first-year law students about how there's never been a white person who ever contributed anything po- positive to society. I mean, I don't understand what the purpose of that message is other than to kind of get street cred as the craziest person of the week in, in academia. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, but uh, everybody follow Jake Novak on Twitter. It's Jake, Jake, NY at Twitter. And you got all kinds of great stuff on Substack, articles, podcasts, interviews. Jake Novak at Substack.com. Jake Novak at Substack.com. Jake Novak, thanks for being with us. Always great to be on with you. Thanks so much, Mark. Take care. Uh, Oh, and everybody check out the webpage. You know, you talk about being an election denier. Uh, every Democrat has done it. Look at this uh, Kareen, whatever the hell her name is, the Obama uh, Biden uh, press secretary. She's been caught saying the election was stolen. Watch when she gets confronted about this. Watch her lie about it. Also, when it comes to inciting a riot, the violence, nobody has done this more than Democratic leaders. Watch this video. Every major Democratic leader at one time or another calling for violence, inciting riot. Take a look at the video. It's all up on the webpage. Go to 710 710- WOR.com slash Mark. 710WOR.com slash Mark. Hey, uh, well, you'll have a chance to win $1,000 coming up right after the top of the news. Just listen for the uh, key word. Well, uh, New Hampshire is over. Donald Trump has won the New Hampshire primary three times in a row. No one else has done that. No one has won both Iowa and New Hampshire in half a century. So a couple of records set by Trump last night. Nikki Haley loses double digits. Uh, But she still has a role, and that is to waste donors' money. Waste as much of it as you can. Uh, She'll be out soon. We're out of time. Don't go away. Buck and Clay are coming up next, and then Sean Hannity back from New Hampshire uh, with lots to talk about in the most listened-to show in America, 3 o'clock today. Jesse Kelly, 
6 o'clock. John Bachelor at 9. I'm here every day, 10 to noon. And don't forget, you can listen to the show anytime, day or night. Whenever you want to hear it, just get the podcast. I'll see you tomorrow at 10. Let's talk then on 710-WOR. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.